0: Well, there's a slight glimmer of sunshine outside our church day, uh, church door today. You know, it's it's been that sort of, will it rain or won't it? And uh, this is actually the, the third week in a row where a big storm has come to Britain from the Atlantic bringing howling winds and driving rain. And we might look at the big puddles that have appeared in some of the streets round about, the the muddy fields in the countryside, uh, maybe the marshy back gardens that some of us have, and wonder when this water is going to soak away. But... Maybe you've been even less fortunate than what we've had here. Maybe you have friends in parts of the country. Maybe you've even travelled today from parts of the country where it has been much worse, where flood defences have been overcome and businesses ruined, and where it will take months for Um, homes to be able to be dried out and repaired ready to be habitable again and those folk may well be wondering where is hope where is the way forward how can we keep on going week after week when it is like this And that's true whenever we face a disaster. It needn't be rain and wind, but many other storms of life take hold of us. Where is hope? When it is, Rainfall when it is a storm, whether it's even like a, a hurricane in the uh, Caribbean, typhoons in the Indian subcontinent, destruction coming to everything that is within eyesight. Even those storms pass and a new day comes. Sunshine. Can be around the corner. There can be hope. And today's passage from Genesis is a story about future hope after disaster. On a Sunday, when we have the dedication of uh, an infant somehow seems appropriate to have one of those bible stories that uh, most people know that we probably heard of as a a young child it's one that is one of the best-known Old Testament stories one of the most popular and uh, one that lends itself to pictures and toys and rainbows decorating things and among the toys at uh, Stepping Stones are, are under threes and uh, group, we, uh, and cavers that meets on a Tuesday. The, the, there's a plastic ark, a little people ark, and with it, a Noah and pairs of animals ready to, to journey and to be safe. My own son... A teenager now is also called Noah. And when he was a bit younger, we had loads of arks, all of them different. We must have had about five different arks, and goodness knows how many pairs of animals. Perhaps visitors to the manse next door have seen the cushion cover with a picture of the ark, all friendly. Saved from the flood. But there's another side to that story. Another side. Takes quite a number of chapters in Genesis to tell of the sinfulness of humanity, of the the rainfall that didn't last a weekend but forty days the destruction of lives and of Noah, the man chosen to lead the repopulation of the earth. He is to be like a a new Adam in a cleansed world but is soon after exiting the ark seen to be a frail character. He's found by one of his sons, to be sleeping naked in a drunken stupor. That bit of the story doesn't usually appear in the children's Bibles. The story of the Ark is that Noah's family and a large number of species are quarantined to save themselves from the devastation that is to happen to humanity and to every species. It's the opposite of how we normally use that word, quarantine. We normally think of a person or an animal that is suspected of sickness being the one that is put away. However, Here in Genesis, we discover it is the whole world that has been infected. And it is the inhabitants of the ark who are deemed righteous, who are supposed to be saved. The origin of the word quarantine is actually from the Italian for 40 days. And for 40 days, there is no let up, no break in the cloud no dry spell, no ability to nip out to to replenish supplies. Instead, the rain is relentless and the flooding of the fields and towns becomes the filling of valleys as happens at the construction of a reservoir. Villages are lost But the rain continues. And we're told it covers the highest land, such that those who had strayed from God, those who were not in the ark, have nowhere to run to. And they suffered greatly. And some hear the fullness of the flood story and struggle. What sort of God is this? How can you claim him to be a God of love? Can this really be the same God, the Father, the Spirit, the Son that we see revealed in Jesus, in his life and death and resurrection? Is this the same God that Christians sing praise to? Yes, it is. It is the same God. And this story of the ark, even as those people are drowning, is actually a story of love. We do not see the depths of darkness that God had seen on the earth. And it is like a a surgeon wielding a scalpel to, to remove malignant growth that the flood comes. Cuts were made deep. and considerable life removed. But in his love, the inhabitants of the ark remained. He deemed them righteous, but they are not perfect. But they're right in a way that might serve his purpose, creating a world full of life and of love. We need to be surprised not that God removed life, but that he saved it. And that he promises he will remember how he saved it, that he will never do the same thing again. As God makes the covenant I promise to remember, it's an unlikely contract. It's purely by God saying that he will follow this way. It doesn't require humanity to do anything. Now, when you've made a contract in the past, it would have required a couple of signatures. You're buying a car, there's the One that's selling it and yourself. There's an exchange that takes place. The same with buying a house or renting a property. You and the landlord or the landlord's representative sign on the line and say how it will proceed. But God here requires nothing of humanity. He simply says, I'll look at that and I will remember. And he says this knowing that the job is not done. Yes, there's been a flood and lives have been wiped out, but the world is not left free from sin. Because there's still that family of Noah. The ones that he's rescued are not pure and holy. Noah's descendants will be wayward, but he will not, the Lord will not cause a flood to destroy humanity. The storms and flooding we see and experience are not the insurance category act of God, but they're a result often of our own foolishness as a species. A fallen people agreed to build on land that should not be built on. The desire to generate carbon dioxide at an alarming rate by burning fossil fuels. The cutting down of the rainforest to produce land for the production of beef. Our refusal to limit our behaviour. We often bring the flooding that is seen in the world today. But the Lord will not bring a flood like before. And the promise to remember does not mean he will forget what's happened. It's not like when we remember something having forgotten it. I've gotten where my keys are. Where are they? Oh, I remember. But I put them in my pocket. But maybe in the other suit. It's not like that. He knows. that he knows and remembers. It strengthens that memory, that reminder of the sinfulness of humanity and how he will not destroy us. In fact, God doesn't just not destroy us, but chooses to offer us a way ahead. The Bible tells us of what God will do and has done so that life may flourish and hope be known. Through Abram, a people were chosen and set aside to be an example to the world, a people living for God. And then to these people who would repeatedly demonstrate how wrong they were, came promises of one who was yet to come. And they struggled to understand who this person would be, this anointed saviour. They struggled to understand what it was they needed to be saved of which invading army, which power, which people of oppression do we need to be saved of? They didn't realize that the Anointed One, the Christ, the Messiah, would actually come to save people from their own self, from their sinful nature, from their greed, from their self-centeredness. It is as a gift of love that Jesus comes into the world. The Apostle Paul refers to him as a second man from heaven. The first man, Adam, was pure and holy at the beginning free of sin. But he was tempted. The Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of Mary, is able to resist the evil one's temptations. He is able to live for God. And we'll be looking tonight at the temptations in the wilderness. In Jesus' earthly life, he points the way to the Heavenly Father. He calls us to turn from what is wrong. He encourages us to choose a life that honors God. And then, in his death on the cross taking a a gruesome punishment despite having done nothing wrong, never having sinned. Jesus suffers the flood of our sins pouring upon him. And so by his love, by his grace, those who turn to him can be forgiven. And by his mercy, we don't face that punishment of being separated from God, of being dead to God. In Jesus, we can have hope. And in living his life, we can bring hope to others. In places devastated by flood, churches, can open their doors and welcome people in. I know that because where I was before I came here had in the time before me suffered floods. Back in 95, Northampton had been, most of the town centre had been flooded. Even the church that I was later to become minister of was flooded. When it got refurbished, they put all the main sockets on the wall up about this height so that they wouldn't get flooded again. (coughs) Members of my churches had been flooded out of their homes That they were welcomed into others. And the church that was down the road from the church that I was later minister of became a, a place of helping others, of reaching out, of encouraging hope in that flooded community. And churches across the country are doing likewise today. Perhaps even offering to some a place to bed down. And we might not experience that here, but we can offer hope. We can, through the food bank, other organizations see that those who are in deepest darkest need receive something of God's love and a presence Do we, I wonder live a life that the honors, the God who loved the world enough to bring a rescue mission in the ark, even though it was in some way actually doomed from the start to carry sin into the post flood world. Do we honour that God that loves even such people? Do we choose to love others in a way that is sacrificial, using our time? Making wise financial decisions. As future generations grow, children like Sammy, what do we hope for them? And can we be people of hope by doing things that makes hope become a reality? that sees that they have a future, that they have a home, that they can have fun and an education. We need to be God's people. People that have a promise of love. of love that is given to us and of love that we can share with others. May God in Christ rescue us from the foolishness of our human nature and lead us instead with love to be a hopeful people. Amen.